I'm Felina. And I'm Summer. And you are listening to Broke and Broken. <laughs> because we're both. The podcast about living your best life by getting real. What's up, broken people? This is Felina. And this is Summer. And today we have Leah. Uh, let's see, what else do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> Probably my family information, I guess. So Yeah, let's uh, start there. Wife... So my wife Rose and I have been together for almost 20 years. I know your feelings on marriage, Summer. <laughs> it's fine. Um, we have three siblings who we fostered and adopted, who are my oldest, Danasia. It will be 17 next month. I cannot uh, believe that, by the way. What's up? I cannot believe that, by the I way. I know. It's very weird. She was like uh, a toddler when Middle child will be, well, Diamond will be 16 in March. Oh. Typical middle kid. I always have to think about her birthday. <laughs> And then Darius just turned 13, so I'm freaking out a little bit here. Ugh, the teenagers, my, man. All teenagers, my baby boy is now oh a young gosh. man. Where do you live? So we live in Rochester, New York. I've, um, I've, I've been here with my wife for 20 years. I actually relocated for her. Aww. I grew up in New York City. That's sweet. It is. <laughs> uh, she had, you know, like, I know. That was convincing. She had family here. <laughs> um, I don't really have ties to my family, so it, it was a no-brainer at that point. Yeah, yeah. You know, typical GLBT love story, meet, <laughs> and then like a week later, you're living together. <laughs> we joke about native couples do that all the time, too. It's like, hi, nice to meet you. Move in right. with me, and then we'll learn about each other. I've literally, no one ever wants to do that with me. I've tried. Well, me either, but it's because I have 800 children, so who wants Even that? when I didn't have kids, no one wanted to, like, just, like, couple with me, man. I was like, let's just jump well, in. You know, for us, we figure it's cheaper to stay together at this point than deal with child support, so. Definitely. Especially when there's three, right? Right, just keeping it real. Now, yeah. you guys are also a um, multi-ethnic transracial family we are the we are the colors of benetton in my house (laughs) um so i am typical white bread um mixed with everything but my wife is was raised in hawaii and is samoan and japanese and our children are all african-american i like it i like the rainbow (laughs) i see the rainbow visual in my head right now I like it. It, you know, it, it freaks people out because they see these, you know, black kids running around and then they find out they have Japanese last names. <laughs> that confu- confuses people, huh? Right. As do I. So that makes people do a double take as well. Now right. it's like for a last name. <laughs> At the kids' request, interestingly enough, oh. they requested we get married when it became legal in New York State. Well, I feel like it would be kind of, I mean... Could you, did you guys do a second, were you able to do a second parent adoption, not being married there? So we um, actually are, so uh, we got lucky with our adoption lawyer. He had done one of the first like lesbian adoptions in New York state. So he just pushed it through. So we didn't have any issues. But you guys weren't married at the time, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. You we can't were do that here. civil domestic partnership yeah, so for yeah. health insurance purposes. In Oklahoma, if you're not legally married, you cannot both adopt it's yeah really backwards and really hard yeah that's 
I mean, that sucks for a number of reasons. Although yeah. I, I've always said from the beginning with adoption that there should be, you know, the birth certificate should remain unchanged and there should be like a parenting certificate. But that's uh, yeah. a whole other topic. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think we've touched that a couple times on a couple episodes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's the strangest thing to look at my daughter's birth certificates and they act like, you know, and they say my name with the address that I lived at at the time of the adoption, not even where she... So, like, if you were to look at all, you know, all of our records, none of it makes sense. Right. And it is, like, pretending, like, none of her... Their realities actually happened. Yeah, that whole erasing We actually have photocopies of their original birth certificates somewhere in our house, Mm -hmm. which I I don't even remember how I managed to get them, but Mm -hmm. I finagled them from... Uh, their foster care worker and nice. kept copies. Nice. I managed to get both the girls too because um, in Oklahoma you can, as the foster parent, request a copy from the vital records yourself. So I ordered a. Re- uh, they have. They each have certified copies of their original birth certificates. Yeah, I don't. I know. I know there was a recent change in New York State, so that may not be an issue anymore. But I wanted them to have that original information. Although now you know they see their biological parents. Um, now oh, they, they also have older brothers who moved back in with their biological parents and their oldest brother has a baby so how many siblings are there so there are five full siblings um, we've got the youngest three the two boys were went through a couple of different homes and were adopted and but they were older so they had more of a relationship with their biological parents at the time mm-hmm. So they went back and forth a few times, and they are now, to my knowledge, living with their biological parents. But as I said, Daniel, the oldest, um, has a nine-month-old daughter who was actually just at our house for my youngest, for Darius's birthday over the weekend. So we're sort of, I don't know, aunties, honorary grandparents, I have no idea. This is like whole, all new territory. I kind of right? love it. Open adoption gets a little complicated I don't know. It kind of makes great. me happy. Yeah. You know, it wasn't. Um, open when we first adopted for various reasons but Mm -hmm. over the time you know um, Rochester New York is a city but it's almost like a small town Mm -hmm. they have family here they all all of our children and their older brothers all resemble each other strongly so we've gotten stopped by strangers before who know the kids because they recognize them and you know with social media and our kids doing more on their own there's only so much we can restrict not that we want to we just want to make sure everybody's safe right so these relationships sort of naturally developed and we just kind of sit back and let it happen and just make sure that if there are safety concerns we talk about it Mm -hmm. yeah but we've always tried to help them when everybody was younger visit with their brothers we kept that line open as much as possible on our end and now you know we we want them to maintain those relationships as you know these children they're still children in my mind all of them are now having their own children right wow but it's definitely not something they talk about in like fostering classes or adoption at all no (laughs) they breeze right past all of that so did you guys meet uh due to this topic Uh, Yeah, we met online Right. uh, Mm -hmm. when I was researching, I think before my um, older daughter was placed with us. Probably, I I don't know. I feel like I've known people forever that I've never met, so it's very weird. Yeah, because it was her and we've had Jen on before Mm -hmm. and um, around the same time. So it was, they they helped me learn a lot before, because I tried to learn as much as I could before we accepted a placement, so... 
complain about transitioning yeah. kids over and, and yeah. you know try to make it as reduce the trauma for them as much as, as much possible. as you can yeah because yeah. they've probably already been through plenty yeah yeah I mean, just the act of removal right. is extremely traumatic I mean, for a child. So for our girls, they were two and one when they were placed with us. And we were actually on a break from taking foster placements due to having lost a long-term placement. Mm-hmm. And they, I don't know how it is in other areas, but here they have people, they used to have people whose job was just to find placements for kids. And they called me and said, well, we have these two girls. They need a placement. Rosa was out of town on a trip. We didn't have anything for babies at that point. Um, I said, sure, we can take them, but we need a couple of days to get everything together. Well, that turned into Rosa was on a plane and <laughs> the family they were with dropped them off. Huh. Like it was like Friday afternoon and said, we're done. Uh-huh. And keeping this is like, a t- these are two toddlers. Right. And, and so they called me like, well, we can take them to an emergency placement or we can drop them off. I said, well, you know, drop them off, but I need whatever supplies they need. And, you know, Rosa gets off the plane and this was before, you know, Wi-Fi and, you know, I'm like, surprise, you know, they're here. Oh, my gosh. How did she respond to that? What can you do? You know, and so that's how we ended up with two. Our original plan was to foster, possibly adopt one and then possibly try to have one using a donor. Mm -hmm. And that turned into three in a late term uh, miscarriage for myself. And then at that point, um. I was pregnant at the same time that their mom was pregnant with Darius, and we didn't know it at the time. Right, because oh, wow. he was a surprise, right? He was a surprise. He was born on, I believe, Friday, and we were notified on Monday. And at that point, um, he was born in July. My son was due, my original due date was May, but I delivered, like, right after Christmas. And at that point, it wasn't viable. Oh. So we were still mourning. And dealing with all of that, and then here he comes, and we initially said no, and it ended up being, you know, if we don't take him, they're already separated from their older siblings, um, what happens? Right. And so obviously he's here. <laughs> but there was a lot of, you know, back and forth and a lot of, um, you know, I had to deal with a lot of my emotional stuff, yeah. as well as dealing with, you know, um, he was, uh, he went through some pretty serious withdrawal when he first came as well. Mm. And so there was, um, he didn't sleep for like six months at night. And so there I am, you know, they say, you know, sleep when the baby sleeps. Well, you can't do that when you have two, two toddlers running around. Right. It doesn't work. And Rosa was my wife. I was a stay at home foster parent at that point. Um, Diamond, our second child went through some pretty serious attachment issues. Like I couldn't leave the room if we weren't home. So I became an attachment parent by necessity and an at-home parent. So Rosa was on the road making the money and I was home and sleep deprived. So I have no memory of like the first six months of his life. Yeah. Sleep deprivation will definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. Does some awful things to you. <laughs> and now the youngest is 13. Yep. 13, 15 and almost 17. And I'm not old enough to have any of them. <laughs> you get to sleep now? <laughs> um, most of the time, you know, you got to yell at them now to turn down the music or, you know, wash a dish, but they, they wipe their own butts now. So it's, you know, there's a trade off. That That's always, it nice. always helpful when they can wipe their own butts. You know. <laughs> I'm not trying to start over again. Like, you know, it, no more babies and they're not having any babies for a while. 
so they better not. That's what I keep telling my teenagers. I'm like, look, I am done raising babies, so you better make sure that does not happen until right. you're out of my house because I am done. Right, done exactly. No more babies. I, I only have the one, and I don't want any more. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's you know it's nice now when the older when Daniel brings or we get the baby for a minute, but we can give her back. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love or, you know, babies. I love being we make a baby. to play with someone, send them home. Or the kids take care of her. So it's like, I'm not changing any diapers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love having babies over for a minute. And then right. go home. Yeah. I won't ever have any more children. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. One and done. <sighs> so uh, I, I love the description of your family. I'm just like picturing in my head, like just, I, it, I would assume that, like, there's been no way around not building some sort of relationship with your child's uh, biological mom. So, um, I did all the transportation for visits when they were having visits until it was just Darius having visits. And so, at that point, it's kind of hard because it was all supervised visits. And so, the relationship, and actually, they had visits with both of their parents, which is unusual, um... Their case was very unusual. They had the same judge throughout the process, the same workers. There was no turnover. Oh, wow. But it dragged on for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So our relationship, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say it was, like, aggressive, but maybe amicable is a better word. So now, um, you know, Rosa went to pick up the baby and made a comment that their mom had, like, handed her the baby and said, oh, you know, you're kind of like her grandma, too. So there is some acknowledgement of that relationship. So... I wouldn't say, like, we're not having Thanksgiving dinner together anytime soon, but you never know. Right. It's just, I mean, I can't imagine what her life must be like for her to have lost all of her kids. But then again, like, I would also think she'd probably feel grateful that, you know, you've been there. So... I don't know. Yeah, it's I mean, their yeah, mom and dad have their own story, and they've had their own struggles, and sure, the course. kids the kids are aware of some of that, and so, like, I, I, I learned I learned the hard way to be respectful of, like, that privacy, because that's their story. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I definitely was guilty of oversharing in the beginning, and that caused some, like, judgmental comments that made me want to, you know, smack somebody, so... Yeah, I learned. you know Interesting. the comments that people think they're entitled to say to, <laughs> to well, adopt I mean, families. So we we we've heard it all as a transracial family. Now uh-huh. that the kids are older, they are definitely aware of. We get more looks than anything, and that's more when we're traveling. But when they were little, uh-huh. people, you know, I'm sure you've heard the stories before. People feel this ownership, like they would try to pet the kids. Yeah. Um, I have slapped hands. This was right around when the kids were younger and we were on trips. This was right around the time when, you know, inter- transracial adoption, international adoption was big. You know, you had Angelina Jolie adopting mm-hmm. uh, Sandra Bullock. And so we had people coming up to us. We were on one vacation. I think they were from England asking us, like, what country they were from, you know, how much they cost. And I was like, well, we're all from here. And they're like, no, no, where are they from? I said, and finally I had to be like, they were made in America. Oh my God. Um, you know, things like that. I had, I've had, you know, well-meaning people follow me in like different stores trying to quiz me on black hair care when they were younger. And I get where they're coming from at the same time. It's like, you know, my kid's hair looks better than your hair. You should probably walk away from me right now. Because I worked hard to make sure that they didn't 
you know, that they looked presentable when we were out and about and made sure their hair was taken care of, whether it was me doing it or me finding other people to do it. We also have my wife's sister, um, who she, she relocated here to Rochester to help her from Hawaii. Um, her, her husband is black, so they have five children who are black, Samoan, and Japanese, but look black. Right, so they could help and... Right. So they help, you know, um, they have their extent, they have their cousins here and then his sister does hair. So now, you know, for a while I had the girl's hair dreadlocked because I wasn't, you know, dealing with the crying anymore, but now they're older. So they want to do their own things. They want to buy the hair and flip it around and all of that annoying stuff. (laughs) So um, she does their hair for us at a discount. So we, you know, we worked hard as a family. Um, I'm the minority in the house. And when we first moved into the neighborhood we're in, it was primarily a black neighborhood and we did that on purpose. Yeah, I think that's important. Something a lot of transracial adoptive parents aren't willing to do. And that's get the children into environments where they're around people. That look like that. Yeah. 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 I've noticed a lot of resistance in a lot, you know a lot of adoptive and then they create it can create issues for the children absolutely and I, I take issue with that like if anybody's going to be uncomfortable it should be me as the parent although I'm I'm comfortable in most places and I think that's coming from you know growing up in New York City and the neighborhood I grew up in I happen to be the only white person so while it doesn't translate to the experience of a person of color in America today I know what it's like to be the only face in, in a room mm-hmm. right um and Again, I can still walk out into the larger society and sort of blend in, although I, you know, with my tattoos and my hair, which is multicolored at this point, it's a little <laughs> harder, but still it's not the same thing. But I get really frustrated with um, colorblind parents, so I don't oh. see color. I'm raising them not to see color. Yeah. Well, they're looking in the mirror every day. Yeah, that's such a They great see what's point. going on I've in this heard, country. Yeah. Uh, I've had, uh, I mean, I, my stepfather is, is white and he's, I mean, he's great, but I'm Hispanic and he just like, he just tries to say that to me all the time and has my whole life. I mean, I'm, he's been my stepfather since I was six, so you know, 31 years. And, uh, I mean, he just, I still look in the mirror. I still know that when I walk in a room sometimes, like I'm an attorney and I walk into the courtroom that's filled with a bunch of old white men ages mm-hmm. 65 and older <laughs> I get looked at you know yeah. and I mean it's just yeah. you know it's my reality and it's their reality so kudos to you for recognizing that and not trying to wash you know, over it's, it it's a hard conversation to have and it's a hard I, I feel it for all my kids but for my son in particular who's 13 and now his voice is starting to change uh-huh. and he's getting taller he's going to navigate this world as a young black male and yeah. what that means is scary. It's scary in terms of police interaction. It's scary in terms of he had, you know, he has ADHD. What does that mean? And it's like, I'm very conscious. I think I had him and Diamond in the car and I was pulled over because I'd forgotten to register my car. And I'm very conscious of, you know, showing them, you know, you know, you don't put your hands anywhere until somebody tells you to. And people look at me like, like I'm crazy when I tell them that, but it's like, you know what? Look at the news. Right. It's, I'd rather, I want him to come home alive. Right. It's our responsibility to prepare them for what they're going to be dealing with. And that's the reality we're, we're in. Right. Especially, you know, now, these days, I mean, mm-hmm. we went to, I took them to, and this was last summer, I drove to them to Myrtle Beach by myself because I needed a break. Uh-huh. Um, 
and we were at a hotel and this hotel happened to have like two different pool areas and I was upstairs and they're old enough now they can kind of sort of wander around and they know where to go and they all have phones mm-hmm. and they're downstairs and they called me one of them called me like freaking out this guy's calling security and I'm like okay I'm like what's going on he said we were splashing him so I go down there they're the only black kids in the pool and this white guy who's fully clothed is complaining to management because he was sitting by the edge of the pool and claimed that you know the kids were splashing at him or around him i don't even know meantime there's other white kids jumping into the pool right in front of him and he's not saying anything to them oh so God, you know what a... tell me that's not about race Ugh, yeah. that makes me mad you know and the kids are very aware of it so i had the luxury at that point of sort of blending into the background and so i stood back and that you know we'll listen to how the staff handle it and the staff was like there's nothing wrong here they're just being kids like you you guys need to leave Oh, well, that's, that's awesome and that to was, hear. That was absolutely refreshing, and I was really grateful um, for that. But I didn't want to, like, make a scene in front of anybody else. But this happened to be a hotel that had some kind of texting app that you can use. So I texted management. I was like, like whoever that staff person was, I really appreciate the way they handled this situation. Wow, that's awesome. What a great uh, company policy, if that's what it was, or just a great human. But, right, yeah. yeah. That's refreshing. Uh, but my kids are, you know, they're very conscious of it. They're, you know, when they were younger, I used to be like, they're looking at you because you're cute. But they, they know right. when we're out as a group, they know. And sometimes it can be overly positive attention. And, oh, look at what you did. It's so great that you, you know, you adopted and you kept them all together. Well, we're not like, we're not like animals at the zoo. or You know, um, we just wanted to create a family. So there's nothing altruistic about it. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I think um, that's the myth, right? It's like... <laughs> the the rainbows and sunshine myth about adoption, and it's all perfect and and altruistic. When in reality, you're just trying to you just want have your family. Family, and... yeah. Yeah, you know, we're just trying to eat some pizza or whatever and go on about our day. I get it. You know, if people have questions about foster care or adoption, they really want to ask. I'm perfectly willing to have those conversations, but mm-hmm. you know, there's that whole idea of overly positive attention which sounds weird to say but it's like you're doting on my kids because we're not the norm it almost seems fetishized (laughs) right yeah that's the word i'm looking for so yeah it's definitely been interesting like you know my kids are kind of careful about who they tell Mm -hmm. um like their friends about what their family looks like and that they have two moms because they honestly they didn't ask for this as well and it is it is hard because we not only are we navigating race but we're navigating glbtq issues because sometimes we don't go to church as a family Mm -hmm. um i happen to be atheist my wife is a believer but we're not really like church going people Mm -hmm. there are open and affirming churches around here but we just haven't found one where we fit in as a family and so if they wanted to go i would support them in that but um they've had friends who have invited them to churches and i'm like well we have to go and you know google is a wonderful thing you google a church and it says the first thing on the first page is marriages between one man and one woman no you can't go to that church with your friend right not because we don't want you to go to church but because this church is going to tell you some bullshit Mm -hmm. i hope i can curse oh you Uh, can say whatever the fuck you want (laughs) um that you don't need to hear about your family and they get that and then they have lost a few friends because of it which is unfortunate but it is what it is my middle daughter diamond is also currently at the point where she is like i i would say she's it's pretty clear she's gay um 
she goes back and forth, which is perfectly fine if she changed her mind at some point. But, you know, she talked about wanting to have a baby at some point. And when I told her the natural way to have a baby is with a penis in your vagina, the face she made, I was like, well, it's pretty clear you don't want a penis anywhere near your vagina, which is fine. There are other things you can do when you get older. So um, there's also, we're also like navigating that. Um, There's been no issue with like support from her siblings here at the house or, you know, it was funny. She thought, she asked me how I would, how we would feel if she was gay. I'm like, Diamond, have you been paying attention to our family? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, are the you things kids here? worry about sometimes are like really funny. And how, you said she was two when she first came to live with you? Diamond was one. Danesha was two. Diamond, um, when she first came, she wasn't talking, wasn't walking, wasn't doing any of the normal milestones a one-year-old was doing. We suspect that whatever, and we were their third placement at that point. So if you think about that wow. trauma, yeah, I want to say third or fourth and depending on if you count in utero because they were both removed from their mom immediately. Okay. Um, so, and from there I did a lot of work with her on like physical development, like jamboree classes and all of that stuff. And she, you know, she made strides by the time they had somebody coming out to evaluate her. She didn't need any other supports, but it also ended up being like, she was the one that became anxiously attached and she has no memory of that at this point, which is great. Yeah, um, that's great. But it, it took a lot of work to get there. And so, of course, she doesn't appreciate any of it at this point, which is the way it should be. But it's still annoying as a mom. Oh, you're not kidding. Well, man. I mean. <laughs> I've been dealing with that lately. We I'm were talking. Like, oh. we were, Summer and I were talking about this, you know, uh, you know, the fact that you treat your kids just like any other oh, of your, you know, your adopted my daughter. My daughter. <laughs> yeah. With the fact that you get right. out at her and call her an ingrate means that she has really made it into the family. You know, yeah, it's like, you know, I I hear stories about, you know, kids or adults who were in foster care and they say things like, oh, this, the family would go out to eat and we would have to have ramen at home. I'm like that. And that just pisses me off as a former foster parent. Yeah. Like what, what the hell are you doing with these kids? Yeah. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have children in your home at all. If you're treating them like that, it's terrible. Exactly. And, you know, we always went above and beyond, not only to make sure that they looked, you know, good when we were out together as family, but just because they deserved that as kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I don't even know where I was going with this, but yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, but we do have, um, we can't be somewhat inappropriate as a family. You know, I think we were at Disney World several years ago and one of the kids asked me for something and I said, no. And she, it, it was probably Darius cause he's a joker. Um, he said, it's because I'm black, isn't it? And I said, yeah. And luckily the only people around us were like Japanese tourists. So they <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I told my daughter the other day because her hair needs to be done and she was like out and about, we were, um, having a party for Darius and I said you need to go inside because right now you look like a white girl did your hair <laughs> <laughs> and which cracked everybody up around us yeah, and we unfortunately have the kids have like taken that. on some of my sarcasm as well which gets them in trouble at school yes all the time I have gotten calls mm-hmm. from the school yeah, yeah my daughter's picked up my sass like big time so she's gonna be a problem when she gets a little older (laughs) yeah i I mean there was an incident where my son wrote on his homework to one of his teachers something like why are you asking me these questions didn't you go to college (laughs) i mean i think that's a reasonable question (laughs) it's a a reasonable question but it's like i i can't you know the teacher asked the teacher emailed me and was like i can send you a picture of it if you want i said i don't need to see a picture because you know it's my kid (laughs) 
I'm mad at him. Like I told yeah, him, like, I waited I until high school until I made that comment. He's doing it, you know, seventh grade. Like, dude, come on. <laughs> uh, are you kind of proud? I feel like I I'd be, be kind of proud. <laughs> I, I, I cannot confirm or deny that. <laughs> His, his sense of humor is much like mine, and even teachers in elementary school used to tell me that he has my mannerisms, um, that they can see myself in him, which is just kind of funny because obviously there's no physical resemblance. But okay. I had to warn teachers early on that not to make like sarcastic jokes in front of him at the school because he will know what you're saying. Right. <laughs> and they find they came up to me, you know, a few of them have come up to me because he was very shy in elementary school, and they said, you know, I told the joke. And none of, all the other kids just looked at me and I look, could see Darius looking down at his paper and kind of smirking. And I said, yeah, I told you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Makes me kind of proud of like times when Sophia smarts off to me. Like I oh. want to be really mad at her, but it'll be yeah. like such a clever, like real quick witty comeback uh, yeah. that I'm like also proud, uh-huh. you know? It's so it's, annoying. I uh-huh. know, but it, I, I and, don't know. I think I'm going to stick with proud. Like, a lot of times I have to laugh and I'm secretly like, proud. funny, but stop it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it, it, it drives Rosa crazy because she now knows what it must have been like to do with me as a child because we've got Darius. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. But you know what? It sounds like they're probably, he must have quite a bit of confidence. I mean, I don't know if I had the confidence to smart off, like use my sarcasm skills quite that young. I think I waited till high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, he, he's a little too confident at times, but, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, he and his sister do go to a smaller school for kids with issues like dyslexia. Um, so I think that gives him a little more. He feels comfortable. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it's definitely, you know, interesting. And these days and times in comparison, you know, when they were younger, it was still, we were still getting stared at. Now there are comments and right. um, not so much to us as a group, but, you know, the kids have said, kids have said things to them in school, like, oh, you know, you're going to have to leave or whatever. We used to joke about going to live with Jen in Canada. And I'm only halfway joking. If finances weren't an issue, we would be in Canada. Hell yeah. I tell you. It's... Jen wouldn't even notice. <laughs> She's with met the, so many people there. With the 30, 30 yeah. kids she has at her house. Now, who is this Jen character? Jen, we had her on for an episode. I don't know if you were here yet or not. It was early on. Yeah, and she has, I don't know how many kids in her 20 house. 20 kids? 30 kids? I saw, I, I listened to the episode. <laughs> it was before yeah. I joined as host, but I did listen yeah, to the episode, and actually. She's, and I remember uh, now. a couple of her kids are grown, so there's also, you know, partners. And I know at least one of them has a couple kids. And yep. so there's... They're, they're a large family. family has now got all the extended family, too. So there is a lot of people. I love it. I don't have hardly point. any family around, so I, no, I love I, it. I could just drop my kids off, and she she's so tired she wouldn't know. Yeah, she's like, whatever. <laughs> what's, what's a few more? <laughs> right. So, <laughs> and they also have a lot. Of, they have openness with... Um, they have families um, and so like vast openness like beyond with what girls, I could, yeah even, they... what I could even tolerate because I don't like people in general <laughs> yeah I'm with you on, on that one yeah. yeah I'm pretty intolerant of people <laughs> right so y'all are um, all right 
<laughs> I like feel in small doses if they remember to text before they show up at my door. Yeah. I mean, I have been at my house, I can't count how many times, and the doorbell's ringing. I'm sitting here, the lights are on, the TV's on loud. I just am like, no, I, I'm not first. answering the fucking door. I don't know who you are. And Sophia, right. my daughter, will run into the living room. I'm like, no. Don't answer that door. It's not how this works. No, like, I know you got a bunch of friends in the neighborhood. No, nah, I usually let her go out there if it's a kid, but like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, I don't have to talk to yeah, you. My, my, kid, my, yeah, my kids run, run wild in the, in the neighborhood, which is good. I'd rather have them outside. Oh, yeah. Our kids but, you know, we've had a few Jehovah's Witnesses knock on a door several times, and, you know, I'm like, no, no, no. And finally, I was like, look, do you not see the rainbow flag? Right. We're not interested. They usually don't come to my house more than, the same group never comes to my house more than once because I do not wear regular clothes in my house. (laughs) I wear, (laughs) because it's my house, damn it, and I don't have to. So I usually have on, you know, this chemise that I wear. I have like 12 of them that all look identical. So I'm not very covered when I answer the door and all of the, this entire group of people who have come to witness to me promptly turn red and say and basically throw their flyer at me as they run back to their car <laughs> and they never come back. I don't understand maybe, why I don't not. know. Maybe I should try that. So answer the door naked. It will, yeah. <laughs> they will go away. I like it. I like it. Well, I mean, I have lost over 100 pounds, so. Uh, yes, I've been watching your your uh, your Instagram. How, how, what have you been doing? So I do, um, I follow the keto diet, which Jen also <gasps> Me follows. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, yes. she got me started on it when she posted her pictures one random day. Um, and I had just come home from the, that was two years ago. I just come home from the doctor and they wanted to put me on like a third blood pressure medication and general regular dieting wasn't working. So it's keto and, and weightlifting when I have the time. Yeah. I, uh, I've been doing keto. I, I should say I, I am not very uh strict about well i hadn't been very strict about it this last six months probably but i lost like 30 pounds almost immediately when i started doing it when i finally realized it and it felt like oh this is how i'm supposed to eat like this feels right i feel healthy you know i don't think it's necessarily i still still have some way to go but i'm over 100 pounds gone that's incredible yeah that's incredible uh i don't know are you super strict about it um so I kind of yeah I don't do forth. I don't do like I, I'll do bits of sugar now and then but the combination of like sugar and flour will make me sick at this point. Yeah, yeah I can't do uh, baked goods. I can't do pasta. Pasta makes right. Me yeah, very no, sick. no more pasta, no more bread. And so you know my kids, if they want that, they can make it for themselves. And Diamond, who's standing out here right now, will tell you that I'm starving her because I don't I don't won't cook her like ramen noodles. <laughs> Yeah, no, my, my poor daughter, uh, which I'm, I'm fibromyalgia and uh, gluten really, uh, gluten intolerance. And so uh, carbohydrates, it just turns into sugar, which just feed, right. feeds the inflammation yeah. from my fibromyalgia. So, I mean, I, I didn't even start the keto diet to lose weight. It was it was because I had these terrible flare-ups. And uh, my daughter, she's got the fibrosis uh, in her body just like I do. So I'm already kind of training her to eat that way. Yeah. Um, just because I know she'll, you know, feel better and healthier. I wish I would have had a parent 
teaching me how to eat properly when I was younger. But that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> yeah, it, I could go on and on about that. But yeah. for me, it was about health, the cholesterol and blood pressure primarily. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I would like to follow your journey. So can you tell me what your Instagram is? I've asked Summer to look for it, and she's failing. And I'm failing. useless. I'm sorry. Oh, I, well, it was public, but I made it private because my kids' friends were starting to follow it. So oh, it is um, Keto Rock Girl, R-O-C. I couldn't remember. I was searching, like, every variation of keto or whatever I could think of, and I couldn't find it. Well, I found it. I so, found it. There you go. Uh, so I will follow you and keep up with your progress and uh, yeah, I, I you know my kids are on there as well, so you can scroll through and see some of our adventures. We're actually getting ready to go to Provincetown next week for their family week event. Um, which, if you're not familiar with Provincetown, they have like themes throughout the summer. You know, there's like Bear Week, which is all dudes, obviously. Um, but family week, there's like, I don't want to say five or 600 families who are like with kids who have GLBTQ fa- parents mm-hmm. and they do, you know, they have programming throughout the week and it's just, you know, you just, we just take over this small town and this is our third year going. And so it's one of the few times of the year where the kids, um, can kind of be out and about and nobody's asking them stupid questions and all the families kind of have similar stories. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's really awesome. Well, I uh, hope you guys have a wonderful trip. I'm going to keep following your journey. And thank you for sharing your story with us. You can contact the podcast at brokebrokenpodcast at gmail.com. The Broken Broken Podcast can be found online at www.brokebrokenpodcast.com, on Twitter at Broke Broken Show, on Instagram and Facebook at Broke Broken Podcast can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube.